Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. We got four more things that he says, and if you will, join with me, and this will help us to understand exactly what it is that Jesus was thinking and wanting us to grasp in his last words from the cross. And the next one is in John, John, or actually in Matthew, Matthew 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabathion, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the aspect that I want you to realize is that that there is a very huge concept that Jesus in his last words is literally talking about the aspect to his father saying, why have you left me? Now, now this is the part that gets a little bit tough, okay? Because I want you to understand that, that Jesus was fully God yet fully man. You said, Mickey, explain that. I did. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Well, explain it where I can understand it. Okay, he's fully God, yet he's fully man. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just know that's the truth. Like, I don't know why two plus two is four, but I know that's the truth. I can't explain it, but you just need to know that that's the truth. I'm telling you, because I know in God's scripture that there was three parts that make up this, this amazing Godhead, and it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, even though he was walking, talking, living, breathing, and was fully man, yet he also was fully God. But in this moment, he shows us this amazing concept of his humanity that he is on a cross, and some of his last words was the feeling of abandonment. Have you ever in your life felt like you was all by yourself? You ever felt in your life like, man, I just don't know why this is happening? Nobody cares, nobody even desires, nobody even acknowledges, nobody this. You just, you just feel like you're all by yourself. Yeah, there'd be a great 80s song written about that, wouldn't it? You remember that one? All by myself. That's good, isn't it? Now you know why I don't sing. Pastor Zach, I'm available if you need me. I'm saying Easter's next week. Just let me know. But it's one of those things that, do you know that Jesus, even though he was fully God and fully man, there was a moment on the cross that he had you on his mind, yet he felt like nobody cared. He said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? You want to talk about tough questions to ask God? I would love to have known what was in his spirit when he asked his father that question. And the reason why I bring that up is because I want you to understand that no matter where you're at, you have a Savior that is identified with all the same issues that you've struggled with. You say, oh, no, he was perfect. Perfect doesn't mean he doesn't experience. Being sinless doesn't mean that he didn't experience some of the same struggles that you've experienced. The difference is he experienced these despite what he chose to do. You experience things because of what you've chose to do. See, the difference is is that you actually have a choice. Whereas Jesus, don't mishear me, had a choice, but he chose to be the Savior to the world. Like to get that in your mind, realize that 
Jesus, being fully man yet fully God, knew there was a moment that he was going to sit down and he was going to be on a cross, right, and dying. And in his last breath, he's going to push with everything that he got and with all that pain on his feet just to take a breath so that he could speak. And his words would be, Dad, where are you at? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why did you? And yet I, I know in my own life there's times where I'm going, Lord, are, are, are you even there? There's times in my prayer life that I'm, Lord, I, I just need to know that you're there. He said, well, Mickey, how do you respond to that? Well, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that John 14, 16 speaks to this. You're not gonna see this scripture, but as I was finishing preparing and looking through some stuff, I, I had, I actually have these, I'm not gonna freak you out here, but there's a lot of times that I'll have different dreams on Saturday and I wake up and I'm like, man, I gotta put that in the notes. And one of the things I thought and dreamed about last night was this aspect of how Jesus felt abandoned by his father and how it relates to us. And because of that abandonment, you know what I think Jesus wanted? He didn't want you to ever feel like he felt. I think Jesus, when he looked at the people, knowing everything that was going on, because remember, when he looked at the crowd in Luke, he said, the fields are white into harvest, pray for the workers. And he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he had this aspect of he felt compassion. And because of that, I think in John chapter 14, it's the reason why it says this. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And he talks about the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the reasons why we have the Holy Spirit is because God being so amazing, not just the Father, not just the Son, but the Son especially said, you know what? I don't want them to ever feel like you're not there. What I experienced on the cross was terrible. And I don't want them to ever feel like they're by themselves. And so, Lord, we're going to, Father, can, can, we, can we leave them with the Spirit? Can they have an aspect in their life that they'll never, ever, ever have to feel like they're by themselves? Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but that, that really helps me understand a little bit more about what the Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit is to be your helper. In fact, the helper that's used in this scripture in John where he says he's gonna send you a helper is the same helper word that's in Hebrew that's in the very beginning in Genesis when God talks to Adam and says, I'm gonna leave you or I'm gonna create for you a helpmate. In other words, it's, it's something that's gonna help complete you. It's somebody that's gonna be able to help you to do what you need to do in this life. And that was a part of Jesus' last words. As he literally said, Lord, why, why do you forsake me? And you say, why is that important? Because it lets us know that he was human, but it also lets us know that there's a major concept that he's going, you know what, I've experienced this, and you know what, I don't want you to experience it. You say, well, Mickey, that sounds great, but why do I experience it? Well, that's a different question. There's a lot of things that we experience that God doesn't want you to experience. I don't have time to dive into this. This would be a totally different message. Maybe one day I go back to this. But can I give you the real quick, like, synopsis version of it? The things that you experience outside of God's will, he never desired for you. It's a thing called sin. And because of choices that were made, even though that weren't even your choices, sin entered this world. And from that, from that time, it started to decline. And it got so bad, so quickly, that God said, you know what, I, I, I gotta do something about this. 
and he sent his own son in the form of a baby. And, and 2,000 years ago, he sent him into a city knowing that he'd be crucified. Why? Because he wanted to resolve the issue. You say, well, Mickey, I've accepted Christ, but I still have struggles. But you don't have to stay there. The second thing that he says, the second thing that he says you're going to find in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. So not only do you have this aspect of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not only do you have the aspect of him looking at his mother, saying, behold your son. Look at the disciples, say, behold your mother. Not only do you have the aspect of the, the, to this day you're going to be with me in paradise, and you also have the forgiveness but there also is another aspect, and I want you to know what was on Jesus' mind. When he's being crucified, number one, he's thinking about us and how he's being abandoned, and he's already put in motion a spirit that's going to be left with us. But then listen to what's on his thoughts. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said, and if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible that has brackets right here, that's a real good translation, okay? Because you in your brackets, you'd say, to fulfill the Scripture, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. I got so intrigued with this because I'm sitting here going, you know, if, if, if I was being crucified, number one, I've already told y'all this last week, like that's what makes Jesus so much better than any of us because I know how you guys are and I know how I am. And the last thing I'm gonna do is sit up on a cross and look at the people that are crucifying me and saying, oh, they don't know what they do, forgive them. I'm going to be like, Lord, get them all. Like, just, just wipe them out. Like, you've already done it once with a flood. Like, I know you made a promise with a rainbow, you know, but like, like but you didn't know they're going to do this. Like, get all of them. Like, let it rain. You know what I'm saying? Like, fire and bring. I mean, I'm like, get all of them. I wouldn't say forgive them. The other thing I wouldn't be thinking about is I still wouldn't be thinking about my ultimate purpose. I would be trying to think about how to just get through it. But do you know that Jesus, in the midst of all of this, when he said, I thirst, what he was really trying to do is to make sure that everybody there still understood that he knew what his purpose was, and he was still fulfilling his word. The actual word that that comes from is actually in Psalm 69, 21. It says, for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. It's one of the prophecies. Like during this time frame, during this week, you have a lot of people that may ask, well, how do you know that the crucifixion's real? How do you know there really was a man named Jesus? How do you know all these different concepts? And I don't have time to go into all the different things, but I will tell you this. By far, not even a close second, the most provable historical moment or event in the history of mankind is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And that's not me talking to you as a pastor. You can go out and Google, and you can search, and you will see. It's withstand the whole time. They know that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. They know that he was crucified on the cross. And they know that he rose on the third day. Now, there's a lot of people that say, what happened on that third day? Well, he was stolen or, or they set it up or they did something. There's a lot of different rumors, but the aspect that Jesus was crucified is not a debate. In fact, the prophecies of Jesus' life and all the different Old Testament prophecies that Jesus' life fulfilled, are you ready for this moment? It'd be the equivalent of taking the state of Texas the whole state of Texas and covering it two inches deep in silver dollars, putting an X on one of those silver dollars, taking a helicopter flying over the state and going, eh, I want that one, and hovering down and reaching down and picking up a silver dollar and picking the one that had the X on it. You say, what's the point? The point is the probability of Jesus not being who he said he was with all the things that he's fulfilled 
is so astronomical that it not being real is not an option. In fact, if you ever want to study a little bit more about that, there's a, a book out there that it's an older book now, but a gentleman by the name of Josh McDowell wrote, and it's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and he talks about that exact illustration, and he lists all the different Old Testament prophecies that Jesus Christ in his life fulfilled. And one of them, guess what? He was still fulfilling in his last words. You say, well, what's the point of that? Like, like that doesn't make sense. Like, sure, he's thirsty. He drink. No, he wasn't thirsty like thirsty like, mm, I actually need some water. He knew that he had a purpose, and he wasn't going to let his pain and his struggles keep him from fulfilling everything that he was supposed to do. You say, Mickey, what's that got to do with us? Well, you have a purpose. And I don't know about you, but I'll talk about me for a minute. When things get tough, and things start to hurt, I don't normally think about what my purpose is. But Jesus, in his last words, even in his darkest hour, you know what he was thinking about? His purpose. In fact, Scripture tells us that it's in our purpose that we'll find hope. It's in the concept of what he's called us to that we'll find hope. Like a lot of people don't have a lot of hope. You know why? Because they don't know what their purpose is. In fact, can I ask you a question? I'm not expecting you to answer this. This is a rhetorical question, okay? Why are you here? You say, because they got real good hospitality in the lobby. I'm not talking about church, all right? I'm talking about why, why are you here on this earth? Like, like, do you know what your purpose is? You say, oh, well, I... I know what my purpose is. My, my purpose is, is to be here so that I can work at blank. No, what's, the, what's your purpose? What is your calling? And I think here's the biggest thing that's a struggle for me. When I start talking about purpose and calling, most people kind of bow out and they go, oh, you know what? For just a second there, I thought he was talking about me. But I don't have a calling. I don't have a purpose. Listen to me. Every person that is breathing has a purpose. In fact, the reason why God created you is because he had a purpose in mind. You say, well, Mickey, I, I don't know if I've ever taken time to figure that out. Can I go back to the thief on the cross? It's never too late to do what God's called you to do. And I'm not talking about just salvation. Scripture talks about the body, talks about the church and believers as a body and talking about all these different parts. And, and the amazing part is, is, is you, you, you remember the old saying, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. If you think about that sort of a saying to God's church and you wanna know why some of the churches are plateaued or declining or why God's church, not just a particular church, but God's church in general is kind of plateaued or declining in a lot of areas. And the reason being is because we're missing parts. We got people that God called to be a hand and, and, and we're missing our hand. We got people that are supposed to be a finger and we're missing our fingers. We got people that were called to be a fingernail. You're like, I don't wanna be no fingernail. Man, you ever had your fingernail missing? You know what that's like, right? You barely touch something. You're like, oh, I mean, like I'm in the floor in the fetal position screaming. Like, what happened? I hit my finger. I lost my finger. And he's like, get up. I birthed five kids. Get up. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, get up. 
Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everything has a purpose. My favorite, my favorite body part, listen, armpits. Do you know if you didn't have your armpit, you would swell up and you would possibly, like it would be a major issue. Your armpit is the number one place that you relieve your excess water. Like it has a purpose. You're like, what? Yeah, we need armpits. You're like, I didn't know that. Yeah, get out of here. Anatomy lesson, you're welcome. Big toes. Do you know if you didn't have your two big toes, you wouldn't be able to stay balanced? You'd probably fall over. You just thought they were there to catch that little stuff that gets in between there, right? Yeah, everybody has it. Don't act like you don't. All the guys are laughing and all the women are going, that's why we don't listen to men. Every aspect of your body has a purpose. You say, well, not all of them because the appendix, like that thing about kill you, and you don't really need that. Okay, well, you know what? There's some people in our church that are appendixes. You don't really need them, and you know what? They just about kill you when they bust. <laughs> say, what would you say about that? Don't be an appendix. <laughs> like y'all are laughing because y'all have experienced it, haven't you? But no, everything, everything has, a, has a place. And do you know that on the cross, Jesus was still thinking about what his role was? And you know what his role was? To fulfill all the prophecies. Not just some of them, not just a few of them. He said, I'm gonna fulfill all of them. So despite being in pain, despite, listen, it said, can I read it again? I just wanna make sure that you catch this. And then Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, like he was done, but he didn't leave. He knew all was done, but he's like, but I need to fulfill this one more thing. Even at the end of the journey, he was still consumed with completing all the prophecies. And listen, if he is that much detailed in his own life and on the cross, I promise he's very detailed with you. That's the reason why scripture says he even numbered the hair, the hair on your head, right? Like he is all about the details, the sixth thing, the sixth thing that, that Jesus said, John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, which we know why, because he asked for that to fulfill a prophecy, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The word there is tetelestai, tetelestai. And it's where we get the word to complete or to finish. It's a Greek word. But the amazing part when he says this word is the aspect of what he's doing, because I, I want to reread this. His last words on the cross is when he was saying, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head. And if you have a paper Bible, underline these words. Gave up his spirit. Nobody took it. God didn't go, give me that. See, that's one of the ways we know that he's fully God yet fully man. Because see, with us, there's a day coming that we do not know in which in this life we will pass on. And scripture says to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. But there's never a moment that I'm gonna be sitting here going, 
okay, Lord, I'm ready. I give you my spirit. God's like, no, I'm, I've already set your life in motion and there's gonna come a moment where your life's gonna come to end and, and I'm gonna receive your spirit. And that spirit's gonna go to judgment, actually. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You're gonna have heaven. And if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that same spirit, your soul's gonna burn in hell. He's like, wow, isn't that fun? Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome, all right? But we just gotta make sure we tell the whole story, right? But Jesus is different. Jesus said, okay, it is finished. And so then he was able to go, all right, I gave you my spirit. See, Mickey, what's the purpose of that? Well, two things. Number one, it lets you know Jesus' authority in our lives. It also gives you a hint of what's to come. But the biggest thing is it lets us know that, that Jesus, God, the Godhead, is all about completion. In fact, can I read for you a scripture that you've heard a lot? It's Philippians 1, 6. It says, and I am sure of this. Some scripture, if you read King James or NIV, it says, this one thing I'm sure of, or I'm sure of this one thing. And then listen to what he says, that he is capitalized, being Jesus, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And in that scripture, yes, it's the same Greek word. It's the aspect of it's gonna be finished. So in other words, let me give you a real, I mean, like this is a really cool, like, you okay, like you just human. Like if you're breathing, that means God ain't done. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm doing everything. You're right, because you ain't done. But scripture tells us that until the day of Christ Jesus, in other words, the day you either pass on from this earth and join him or till the day that the clouds break and the trumpet sounds and he comes to bring him, until that day comes of Christ Jesus, he's still working in you and going to bring you to completion. So do me a favor. Look at the person beside you and say, give me a break. I'm not quite complete yet. Didn't that feel good? You're like, please tell me to do the other side. Let me do the other side. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? But will you do me a bigger favor? Close your eyes for a minute. Like seriously, close your eyes. Don't look around. Perceive that you are the only person in this room. And to yourself, say, give yourself a break. God's not done with you yet. Now open your eyes back up. Some of you are too hard on yourself. You ain't completed yet. You bought a lie that at some moment in your life you prayed to receive Jesus and and God made you perfect. Now, I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that because of his perfection, I am made perfect in his image. But that is a perfection that comes after death, not while living. Even on my final breaths, I will be flawed and I will be a little bit messed up. But the cool part is, is through Jesus Christ, he has began a good work in me. The word there is began. And he has promised that before I take my last breath, 
that I can, through him, do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that I can get to the end of this life, and because of my relationship with Jesus, that on my last breath, he goes, oh, and let me make you perfect now. You say, how perfect? So perfect that you can walk the streets of gold. Like, I got, I got a house that I've prepared for you. And in that house are many rooms. And if it was not so, would I not tell you? But he wants to what? He wants to complete you. You say, well, Mickey, how do I do that? Like, that's actually an intriguing concept because, because I want to move forward, but, and I want to get to completion, but at the same time, I don't really know how. And I would tell you that your answer is in the question. Since you don't know how, then I would encourage you to get with the one that does. Scripture says that his ways are higher than your ways. His knowledge is more than your knowledge. So in other words, you need to quit trying so hard. And you know what? I think that's what he was telling us on the cross. He was letting everybody know in one of those last breaths as he was speaking words. He's basically saying, okay, it's done. It's finished. Because there was a lot of people that were probably wondering, What's going to happen? And then the very last thing that he says. He wasn't done with that. There was one more thing, and it's in Luke chapter 23. If you remember, Luke is actually where we started, chapter 23, last Sunday. And in verse 46, he said this. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice. No other place does it say loud but he ends in a loud voice. In other words, he wanted people to hear this. He mustered everything that he could to take the deepest breath that he could so he could be as loud as he possibly could because he wanted people to hear this. You know what he said? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. You say, well, why would that be so important? Because at the very end of his life, he was showing all of us with his last final words. Like I talked about the seven sayings from the cross. Well, the very last thing he said on the cross is the key to you and I's life. What is it? Well, let me read it one more time. Father, into your hands... I commit my spirit. See, the word that I would write down if I was taking notes is the word submission. You know, just, just a few breaths earlier, he was saying, Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? And he's moved from, a, from an aspect of abandonment to an aspect of reconciliation. He's saying, you know what, Lord? Father, I give it to you. I submit to you. I will allow you to be the priority. All throughout Jesus' life, he talked about that his will was to do his Father's will. See, I believe that a lot of us, we, we struggle in life because we want Jesus' blessings while we do our will. We want to run around and do whatever it is that we want to do and ask God to bless it. In other words, Lord, will you bless this life that I'm living rather than, God, I give you my life because of the blessing you are to me. Like we get it reversed. 
It, you've heard it this way, right? It's easier to get forgiveness than permission. So rather than doing what he's called us to do, we're just gonna do it our way and then say, Lord, I'm sorry. Can I give you guys a little heads up? The greatest lie in humanity is taught to little kids. And it's simply this. You can do whatever you want to and say you're sorry and it makes it okay. That does not make it okay. You say, Mickey, prove it to me. Okay, have you ever had a time in your life that somebody did something, they said they were sorry, but you're still upset about it? Listen to me, the things that you do and the things that you say are important. And one of the ways to get God's blessings is to understand that, you know what, there's an authority in my life that I'm gonna submit to and I'm gonna quit trying to do things my way. Now, please don't mishear me. Scripture tells us that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross, then I shall be saved. And a lot of times you've heard somebody say this, well, pray this prayer with me. And you'd bow your head and close your eyes and then a pastor or a teacher or somebody would say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. Listen, that's a starting point to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But that's not the end of the Christian life. Through a prayer of acceptance, you can have salvation in heaven. But listen to me. Like, just because he saved you from this earth and you have eternity in heaven doesn't mean you can live like hell and think that he's gonna bless you. I'm not talking about a works-based faith. I'm talking about the reason why a lot of us struggle in the room. We don't know why all these things are happening in our life and we really get confused. And the reality is, it's like these things happen in our life because of the way you're choosing to live your life. And Jesus gives us that example in his very final words. Again, I will read it. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Can I write it, can I, can I tell you a different way? Here, here's the way I wrote it in my, in my notes. There was a relationship rebuilt. And you know what the key to every relationship being rebuilt is? Forgiveness. In fact, through my study and reading on some other things, there was a phrase that got stuck in my mind about two weeks ago that I had me able to shake. And this is how I want to close the message. And it simply says this. People are ready for God. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? People are ready for God. But they want hope. Not a debate. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.